Have you ever thought about how exciting it would be to create your very own local event and maybe even potentially turn it into a series? If so, then this episode is going to be exactly what you need in order to confidently and successfully land your first or your next series. And by the way, what I'll be sharing with you today is geared towards yoga teachers, but you may want to share this with any of your friends that are wellness or fitness leaders, as this will work for them as well. My name is Amanda Paz, and I am the host of the Yoga Biz Academy podcast, the podcast to help you quit your nine to five and launch your profitable yoga business. In these episodes, you'll find tips and strategies to help you gain clarity on your offer, get visible in front of your ideal clients, and get paid for the incredible work that you do. And if you're brand new to the podcast, I want to welcome you to the YBA family. I love to see you every single week, your comments, your reviews on the podcast. So take a moment and introduce yourself below in the comments if you're watching on YouTube or if you like this type of content, you can leave a review on Apple Podcast and Spotify. Let's go ahead and get started in this episode and talk all about events. Why am I talking about a series of events instead of a single event? Well, because number one, you want to secure monthly recurring revenue streams in your business. This means that you're getting paid for more than just a one-off event. You're securing a series of events over the course of a time period, whether that's a month or a quarter or maybe even the entire year. This is the same idea as always wanting to secure a package of one-on-one -on -one sessions as opposed to just selling one session at a time. As an independent contractor, you want to create as many revenue streams as you can in your business that are recurring payments month by month so that you can better predict what your income is going to be each month, each quarter, and each year. And this helps you to be and feel supported instead of always feeling like you have no idea how much money is going to come in because maybe one private client canceled three times this month. And then on top of that, you only had 10 people in your studio classes and the last three weeks was just kind of slow. Monthly recurring revenue streams can help you maintain a sustainable income despite all of that. And if you plan it out strategically, you can secure and schedule a weekly, monthly, or quarterly event series. Depending on how many events you actually want to lead every single month, if you line up and space them out throughout the calendar year, you're going to be feeling much more financially supported by your business and the energy that you give. And the second reason why I like series of events as opposed to just a one-off event is because of the experience of the transformation that you can help others create over a series of events in that community atmosphere and how powerful that can be. People love to do things together, which is why an event is so exciting to begin with. It's a great way for people to meet, to make friends, to build community support, and depending on the purpose or intention of the event series, you can creatively sequence and plan around taking your students or participants through a process through the stages of a specific transformation. Here's what I mean. Let me give you two examples. First, let's say you have booked a Sunday morning event series at your local farmer's market for the entire first quarter of the year. Now, because this is probably a more well-rounded, all levels audience from first-time students to maybe students with 10 years of experience, you may choose to keep your classes more or less the same in terms of the sequence, the style, and maybe even the theme. This way, it is inviting and accessible to various different types of people. Those who attend the event once will feel comfortable inviting friends and family to join on the next one, 
because they know what to expect. And because this experience you created invites so many different people to come together in community and explore movement and breathwork and maybe even some sound healing, whatever you enjoy teaching. And so that is an example of how powerful sharing an experience in a community space can be. The experience of either doing something that you love or trying something for the first time in community in a really welcoming environment. Let me give you another example. What if you booked an event series at a local wellness center, which is a different demographic there, right? Your audience is going to be a little bit different there than at the farmer's market. You'll probably have semi-experienced students of the practice of yoga attending your event as opposed to having complete beginners of the practice, which means they'll likely have a bit of an understanding of asana and maybe even a little yoga philosophy or lifestyle. So what you could do and what I've seen done the most in these circumstances is to create a progressive and educational type of series where each class or event builds upon the previous one. And an example of this would be like a seven class yoga chakra healing series where each class is themed, sequenced, and planned based on one of the seven chakras, both educating and sharing wisdom of the energy centers, as well as how to use movement, the senses, breathwork, meditation to promote healing and awareness of these centers. I've even seen teachers creatively weave in sound healing, attuning to the sounds of the chakras, and other teachers introducing essential oils and foods that help to promote healing of these centers. And you can incorporate that into a series. And so you can see how a series like this could add a ton of value, at the same time, making it so that participants want to and are excited to show up to every single session. The benefit of doing it live and in community versus at home and by themselves is that they get to learn, converse, share in their experience and transformation in community. If you're a yoga teacher, you probably know what I'm talking about when I reference this type of community container because you went through it in a teacher training program. And so holding that space for others in a more concise way can be really powerful. So for those two reasons, I truly believe that an event series is the better option for both the teacher or leader and the student or participant. But event series are not the only way to go. Does that mean that you should never do one-off events? Absolutely not. I have done and continue to do one-off events all the time. One-off events are incredible. And in my experience, that typically comes from partnering with a big brand or a sponsor. And that is always such a great opportunity to share audiences, to grow your personal brand. Partnering with a brand like Aloe, Lululemon, Athleta, Manduka, Adidas, Nike, Puma can be fun and it can be a great way to increase your reach, credibility, and build your portfolio to foster future collaborations and opportunities. All right, now let's discuss what the most practical steps are that you'll need to take if you're planning on creating and launching an event series. Let's start with step number one. Decide on a title, topic, and the benefits of the event series. If you want to present this idea that you have for an event series to a venue or to a brand or a sponsor, you're going to have to pitch them the title, the topic, or general theme of the event series and convince them as to why contracting or partnering with you is mutually beneficial. If you are trying to get a venue or a sponsor to see the value in your event series, it's not about how great your idea is or how great the classes will be, even though we know that's true. Instead, it's more important to use language that highlights and amplifies what this will do for them. As in, what value will your event bring to them? Is it building community? 
Is it offering wellness benefit to their employees? Is it increasing their revenue in some way? For example, if you're holding an event series within a brick and mortar store like an Aloe store or Lululemon store, some of the benefits you want to mention are building community awareness by bringing people into the store. And of course, increased sales because people attending the event will be in the actual store. And so if the brand decides to give them an added bonus of a 25% discount for shopping in store that day, then the likelihood that they'll gain sales from that is very high. Here's another example. If you're doing a weekly or a monthly event series in partnership with a hospital, maybe the benefit here is community building as a wellness initiative that brings hospital employees together by offering programming that promotes mental and physical well-being, which helps in employee retention by taking care of the caretakers. In hospitals, every employee is always taking care of someone else. And so offering opportunities to help them feel better is a big win for them. Here's one last example. Maybe you decide to create an event series for a luxury 50-story residential building that just went up in your city. They have a beautiful rooftop deck next to a pool and a garden, and you think it would be an iconic situation for an event series. When you're pitching the idea to the point of contact, it makes sense to use language or mention that some of the benefits to partnering in this way are brand awareness by bringing in tons of new faces into the new building, which may be interested in becoming future residents. Another benefit is building a unified and fun community atmosphere for the residents who already live there by providing an opportunity for them to come together, to move their bodies, to relax their minds in this fun and welcoming environment, promoting conversations and relationship building before and after the events. This ultimately brings so much value to the venue, to the residents, and to you. So again, you want to prep the title, the topic, and the benefits for each event series idea by doing a little bit of research and figuring out what they most likely need to hear in order to say yes. When you get someone on the phone, you can always ask the point of contact as well, what they would like to see in order to consider the event series a success and allow that to help guide you into co-creating an experience and those specific results. Now, step number two, you wanna find the human. In order to get to the step where you actually pitch, first and foremost, you need to find the human at the company, as in the point of contact. So how do we do that? Well, the first way is through a referral. We know that the best way to reach someone is through a referral, as in you know someone who knows someone at the company or the venue and they refer you to them and get you the actual human that you can schedule a call with. But outside of that, the next best way is for you yourself to have a relationship with someone within the company so that they can point you in the right direction. I always prefer this over cold outreach, which is the next method of finding the human at the company. So let's talk about cold outreach. Cold outreach is basically finding the company's email on their website and reaching out that way. And if you do cold outreach, more often than not, your email will be deleted or ignored. That's not to say that cold outreach never works. It just never works as well or as efficiently because, well, it's cold, just as the term implies. People are much more willing to help other people that they know, even if it's only through a short exchange online. And so for that reason, I prefer a warm approach. So let's talk about warm outreach. Reaching out to a warm lead means that you have in some way established rapport 
end a relationship with the human at the company. My favorite way to do that these days is through in-person or social media relationship building. Essentially, it's all about finding the human at the company that you can build some rapport with first so that when you pitch your idea or ask for the right point of contact to pitch the idea to, the human that you've created that relationship with is much more willing to help you or to point you in the right direction, to connect you with a person who you need to communicate with when it comes to setting up a partnership for the event. For in-person relationship building, I lean heavily on kindness, period. Being a kind, caring, and supportive person. That's how you meet new people and build relationships with them. It's really not that complicated. There are new people to meet everywhere you go. Start with your neighbors, people you meet while walking your dog, people at the coffee shop, at your Pilates studio, at other studios, at networking or women's events. Being a kind person and sparking conversation from the energetic space of genuinely caring about them and what they do, and more importantly, how you may be of service to them first. Sometimes that's as simple as sharing a resource or referring them to something or someone that they may need. And how do you know what they may need? By talking to them, by being a compassionate human. If someone needs a new housekeeper, maybe you have a referral for them and you can make that connection. Or maybe you meet someone who's complaining about back pain and you share one of your YouTube videos, or maybe you point them in the direction of a really qualified physical therapist that helps them heal. And you do this without asking for anything in return. That's being kind. That's building rapport and relationships. That is being a compassionate human. This is not only a great way to enjoy life more because a life full of great relationships is always more fun. But it's also a great way to build a network of potential warm leads because almost everyone either works for a brand or a business or owns a business themselves. And most businesses have a budget or marketing spend, which means that they have a budget for you. Now, when it comes to social media relationship building, this one kind of works the same way, except that you are a little more strategic about who you message. And that's because we have tools that allow us to become aware of where someone works. And that amazing tool or platform is called LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. LinkedIn is great because it allows you to search for a company or a business and then find people who work there. And once you find someone who works at the company, you can either directly message them right off the bat and maybe ask them to point you in the right direction of the person who you should reach out to regarding wanting to discuss an opportunity or a partnership for an event. This is typically someone in the marketing department, but not always. So it's a good idea to ask for an actual name, an email, or phone number. The only caveat to this approach is that you are making a request right off the bat, and so you may come off as kind of spammy and ignored. The other tactic is not to make an initial ask right off the bat, and instead to build a relationship with them over the next two to three weeks. Without being creepy, please don't be creepy. You can either like or comment on their post and answer some of the questions that they might ask through their stories. Or if you find that they aren't active on LinkedIn, you can use their name and find them on Instagram and establish a relationship that way. It's important to always be genuine with your interactions. Don't be creepy. Again, please don't be creepy by overdoing the messages or comments or likes. And don't just respond with emojis or comment on their posts with emojis. Spark genuine conversation by reacting to their posts, which will likely lead to a direct message conversation. And once you're already in conversation in the DMs, then this is where you will eventually make your ask. 
Which leads us to step number three. Reach out, pitch, and send a proposal. This is the part where you get to make your ask. Now, hopefully, because of your established relationship with this person, they will be more willing to point you in the right direction, and now you are ready to reach out to the proper point of contact. By saying something along the lines of, hey, I see that you work or maybe used to work at this company. I'm wondering if you know who the best person to contact is regarding a potential partnership idea I have for an event. If the person you have already been DMing is the point of contact at the company, then what you're going to do is you're going to send them a voice note and tell them that you are in the process of planning a community event and looking for a business to partner with. If they work for a restaurant group, you can mention specifically that you're looking for a restaurant partner. If they work at a law firm, then you can mention specifically that you're looking for a law firm partner. It's that simple. You get the name and the email and you're ready for the next part. I like voice notes because I think they are extremely personal and it feels warm to receive one. But, and this is a huge but, only if they are short and concise. Nothing is more aggravating than receiving a voice note from someone who's not my best friend that's left a three-minute voice note rambling and speaking way too slowly about nothing when they could have just been short and sweet and made the ask. It's sincerely one of my biggest pet peeves. Why? Because it feels a little inconsiderate. We all have so much going on and it feels like I'm being held hostage to listen to this entire dragging voice note until I've heard what it is the person finally needs. So please, when you're sending voice notes, be short, be concise, be considerate. Send a warm voice note that is straight to the point. If a voice note doesn't work or it doesn't feel good for you, then feel free to type it out and just send a short DM. Now, whether the person you are speaking to is the point of contact or they have now given you the email and name of the point of contact, you are now ready to send that initial email with the requested information, which takes us to our next step. You will send the point of contact an email. The email should include the following. A warm welcome, introducing yourself, and a little anecdote. Maybe something complimentary about the company or the space. And then you want to get to the point right away and let them know that you are interested in putting together an event for or with them that can bring X, Y, and Z benefits. And then any other points of interest that feel important to mention. If you've done other events in the past, mention them here as well so that they can reference any previous work and feel inspired and excited to follow up. Drop a link, which leads to your portfolio if you have one, or a site on your About You page on your website, which hopefully includes some photos and maybe some previous collaborations or event partners or sponsors that you worked with. If this is your first event, though, don't worry. Just share your About You page. That's enough. And then end the email by thanking them for their time and hoping to hear back from them. If they don't respond, I typically set a calendar reminder to reply again within two to three days just to make sure it gets bumped up to the top of their email. If they still don't respond, I'll do this a third time and a last time. That's it. Three emails. Letting them know that this is the last time I'll be contacting them. And I just wanted to make sure that the message wasn't missed. And that's it. Do not continue to reach out after that. I see so many teachers say, oh, I reached out once and they didn't respond, so I let it go. And this is such a huge missed opportunity. Remember, everyone has a lot going on on their plate. And more often than not, emails get lost in the shuffle or people simply forget to respond. When it comes to securing a new opportunity to sell one of your offers, you have to take an active approach. I see too many yoga teachers passively letting opportunities slip out of their hands 
simply because someone didn't respond on the first try. So please, follow up without being pesky, three messages max. And so when they finally respond back, you're going to lock a date and a time down and book a call immediately. I prefer video calls because I think it's a great opportunity to further create that human connection by seeing each other's face. It helps to build rapport and trust. But a regular phone call will do as well. On the call, you want to one, thank them for taking the time. Two, let them know what the rundown of the call structure is going to look like so that you take up the least amount of their time. And then number three, tell them a little bit about yourself and why you're so excited to create an event series, as well as what you hope to bring to their space through this partnership. Number four, you want to ask them about themselves, what other events they've done in the past, if they've worked with other wellness professionals like you, what they liked and didn't like about those other events. You want to gather as much information as you can here so that you can better tailor your pitch deck when you send it to them after the call. You want to end the call by letting them know that you'll forward over a pitch deck and proposal for them to review. And by the way, in my signature program, Yoga Biz Academy, I have sales scripts for all of these calls, as well as email templates and pitch deck templates for you within the program. So if you're interested in that extra support, I'll link that below for you. And so once you hop off the call, the logical next step is to email that pitch deck and proposal. Your pitch deck should be a PDF, including your bio, portfolio, suite of classes and event ideas, as well as any other references that you feel comfortable including. If it makes sense for you to include your media kit in here, then drop that in as well. But this gives them a really good idea of who you are, the value that you bring from your community, and some different ideas for classes that you've done in the past or that you feel comfortable teaching. Your proposal is a document that specifically lays out what you'd like the event series to look like, as well as some initial terms of payment. There will probably be another email or a phone call to confirm the details of the contract and agreement between you two. So schedule that as well. Once they review your pitch deck and proposal, that call will be scheduled. The next step here is to sign the contract, the details, and discuss and finalize when you'll get paid. So once you've agreed on terms, you'll send them or they will send you an official contract with details for the event and the payment terms. By the way, I also include these contract samples in YBA. You'll sign these contracts and then get to actually planning out the fun details of the event. Now, as I kind of alluded to already, my favorite type of partnerships when it comes to event series are the ones where I am partnering with a brand or business or a venue. Why? Well, because when we secure a deal, I like to guarantee my payment in the form of a flat rate paid either by the venue, the business, or the brand sponsor. The reason I do this is because I like to offer free community or event classes for the public as often as I can. I, as the yoga teacher and leader in these event series, am in charge of promoting and bringing tons of people into the space, which is an added benefit for the venue or the business. And so I like to make sure that my payment is secured and that, if possible, the event is free for the public. That's not always possible, but there are tons of creative ways to structure a deal and a contract which I love to do. So if you need help with that, shoot me a DM and I can help you work through that. If you are leading an event series within a studio or a wellness center, then maybe you are splitting marketing duties and some of those guests are coming from the space's email list. And so it probably makes sense to do a split or a percentage of ticket sales, meaning you take a percentage of sales and the space takes a percentage of sales. 
And you split costs as well, by the way. You want to make sure you're not the only one incurring costs if that's your arrangement. Again, there's a lot of variables here, but a really simple way of looking at it is to calculate the amount of hours it takes to plan and execute the event. And then make sure that the dollar amount that you expect to receive or maybe the value in terms of exposure and community building is worth your time. Remember that brands and businesses have marketing budgets, and this is just another amazing opportunity for them to invest in an event that aligns with their brand, mission, and vision. And so securing payment for yourself for helping to bring that to life is key. You always want to protect yourself, your time investment. And again, there's so many different ways to structure deals. These are just some of the more common ways that I've seen. The next step here is to plan and promote your event. So this is the most exciting part for me personally, sitting down and mapping out all of the details of what the event series is going to look like. Is it going to be four events? Is it eight events or 12? Are they all going to be similar in style, theme and flow? Will there be guest teachers or soundbowl specialists? Will there be food vendors, clothing vendors, or other product vendors? What about sponsors? I love using those silent headphones in certain events where it makes sense, especially when there's a meditation included. So do you need to rent those? Are you going to buy those? Maybe it's worth purchasing if you plan on doing a lot of events in the future. What about personal branding products like banners or intention cards or even tablecloths for the event? that match your aesthetic and your branding so it's clear and cohesive and recognizable. What about the sound system? Are they providing one or do you need to bring one? Will you be using Eventbrite for signups or another email collecting registration website? If so, do you know which one? I'll go ahead and link a couple in the description box below. Events are such a great way to build your community and your email list. And it's a great way to open the line of communication with all of your attendees. I like to send a personalized thank you email to everyone that attended my event once I've added and tagged them appropriately on my email service provider, which I use like Flowdesk. I'll also link that below if you're interested in setting up your own email service provider today and protecting your business. Because guess what? Your social media can get hacked tomorrow, which happened to me a couple years ago, and you lose everything if you don't have a community that you're building and that you're nurturing through an email list. So make sure that's something you're always investing in and building as you grow. Another thing to consider is, will you have a photographer and videographer? Because I highly encourage you do. Having that footage and content is not just a great for social media, but also, and more importantly, for your website and future pitch decks. This will help you more easily land future deals. Oh, and it's also a great idea to send these in the thank you email to all of the participants and ask them to tag you if they post it themselves. And then once you have these details laid out, it's time to promote. Get on Canva and create the flyers and the posts that you'll need for Instagram, for Facebook, or Eventbrite, or whatever booking or registration software you decide to use. Promote it to your email list, to your Instagram stories, and other platforms at least seven times spread out over a two-week period just before the first event. Studies show that audiences need to see the offer an average of seven times before they make a decision to register. Why? Because everyone is so distracted, they need to see it over and over again to actually lock it in. Another thing that's very important to do is to make sure you make a list of 40 to 50 people you know or are Instagram friends with. DM and text them personally 
inviting them to the event. Follow up and ask if they'll come and tell them to bring a friend. In my experience, these personal invitations go so much further than just posting on your story. Why? Because you're taking the time to establish that human connection again. And that is so much more inviting and convincing than an IG story post, right? When you receive a personal invite, it makes you want to show up and support and even more excited for the experience. So make your list and send those DMs and texts. The next step is to enjoy and stay present during your event. Make sure you enjoy your event, even if you feel nervous. Stay present, speak calmly, and remember that the event isn't so much about you and how well you perform. It's about the people attending and what they get out of it. Show up authentically, speak truthfully, and allow it to flow out of you. The next step comes after the event has finished, and this is all about planning the next one. So once the event is done, you want to make sure that you send the thank you email to the attendees with any photos from the event, any important links and follow-up information for working with you. Include in that email any social media handles and ask them to follow you and tag you. And then most importantly, set up a follow-up call with your event partner or sponsor. Go over the details of the event, the results, what went well, what could be done better or differently, and then talk about any arrangements for the next event in the series. When you're done with the contracted events, it's also a really good idea to hold the same call again and plan when you'll lead the next series. If you're not ready to do that just yet, that's okay, but it's definitely worked out for me in the past where, for example, I had booked a four-week series with a company. They loved it and wanted me to come back the following month. So don't think that just because you finished your contracted event series that the opportunities for more are out the window. That's far from the truth. You have an opportunity to continue to extend your work together and to create more event series and plan them for the future in advance, which could be great for you, your impact, and your income. Okay, that is pretty much it. Let's review the steps one last time. Number one, decide on a title, topic, and benefits. Number two, find the human. Number three, reach out, pitch, and send the proposal. Number four, sign the contract with the details and the payment. Number five, plan and promote, promote, promote. Number six, enjoy and stay present during your event. Number seven, post-event future planning session. Follow this guideline and you'll be on the way to creating a purposeful and profitable event series that brings together your community through the practice of yoga. My name is Amanda Paz. Thank you so much for joining me. That's it for this episode. If you're not already following me on Instagram, head over to Amanda X Paz or at Yoga Biz Academy, and I will see you in the next episode.